Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, I'm Helen. And I'm Stephen. And this is the New Statesman podcast for another special edition. I think we've decided basically we have to do a special edition every time a party leader resigns. I think that's our new bar, right? Yeah, I mean, we're defining party leader in a generous sense. You have to have... Actually, we didn't do one for the Greens, to be fair, so let's, let's, let's row back on that. Row yeah. But Nigel uh, Farage, uh, erstwhile leader of, of UKIP, has uh, resigned. He doesn't appear to be on the brink of unresigning again, right? This time he has definitely resigned. Yes, I mean, I think the thing last time is, one, I think there was a sense of, I don't want to go out of failure, which was very much where he would have been if he had resigned after failing to win than it sounds. And secondly, there was the realisation in standing down, he would be handing control of UKIP to his enemies. Um, He's not entirely dodged that bullet now, has he? I mean, well, let's go through what what passes for UKIP, right, as a as an organisation. The party's only MP tweeted uh, a sunglasses emoji when Nigel Farage steps out. It is pretty well known that they hate each other. The problem is, if we start talking about Douglas Carswell, I'm going to single handedly new car, universal, family friendly. I hate Douglas Carswell. I actually think Douglas Carswell is worse than Nigel Farage. At least Nigel Farage knows what he is, right? That that just like he's. I mean, he's just one of those people where like I don't understand how he's feted as as an, an intellectual and a man of principle. This is a man who who complains about angry nativism, who just got done with a campaign about how there were 75 million. Turks coming to steal your granny, who talks about you know, honesty and has been a lifelong advocate of dismantling the NHS, who ran on 350 million for the NHS and is now pretending it never happened. People think he's an intellectual because he looks weird. No, actually, he's just a weird-looking liar who defected to UKIP because he knew they were going to lose his seat. The one thing I'm really hoping is that Nigel Farage, before he quits public life, will have time to purge Douglas Carswell. That's good. I My reasons for disliking Douglas Carswell are slightly more tangential, which is that I was once in the Sunday Politics green room and uh, my fellow panellists included Toby Young, teacher botherer Toby Young, and uh, Douglas Carswell went, we should give this man a round of applause for saving Britain's education system or something similar. Needless to say, there was there was no round of applause. I'm not really... Peter Oborn tried to make me give Daniel Hannan a round of applause after we recorded Week in Westminster two weeks ago. It's just, I'm not... You really do spend a lot of time it's just in weird. studios I'm not with <laughs> terrible men. I'm not giving people rounds of applause for doing their jobs at the expense of often, you know, lots of other people. Anyway, so yeah, if you want to urge me to give someone a round of applause, just note that I'm not, I'm not an applauder. Um, but yeah, so Douglas Carswell, 
backed uh, Vote Leave and um, Nigel Farage backed Leave.eu along with uh, big UKIP Baron, uh, I was going to say big UKIP backer Aaron Banks, uh, who I'm sure is a figure we shall return to again soon, who seems to be now saying that Andrea Leadsom is his favourite candidate for the Tory leadership, which to me sounds like a kiss of death. For yeah, a... although actually I feel I should take this moment to do a slight U-turn on my very confident uh, prediction that you needed to be from Eton to survive multiple rounds, because what I had underestimated was Michael Gove's ability to self-destruct fairly early. Um, but this is the thing, I think you're in a golden position now, because you've got such a reputation for predicting things right, that you can probably, for, through confirmation bias, people will only notice from now on when you get things right. Okay, well, I probably shouldn't have drawn attention to the fact that... I mean, the, the difference is, right, is I think, in general, if you are... A conservative long shot candidate you need to be from Eton or you need to be Andrea Leadsom and for it to turn out that one of your opponents decides to kamikaze, kamikaze the rest of the race. Uh, also to, for you to be the true representative of an ideological faction that cannot be appeased or bought off is not amenable to compromise in any form that is absolutely ultra in its, yeah. in its beliefs right I think even for some of the people that are backing Andrea Leadsom even Michael Gove is not really properly <laughs> brexit enough, which is kind of mad. But um, to return to UKIP, so we now have the thrilling spectacle of a UKIP leadership contest. Uh, people who you would... So the party's deputy leader, Paul Nuttall, is kind of... I'm going to say he's Scouse, and then am I, I going to get told off? He is Scouse, isn't he? Um... That's not me being racist against northerners by not understanding the difference between a, like a Merseyside accent and a Wirral accident. accident. Oh no, they, 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 you're allowed to bracket them all in as... Uh, oh good, okay good. As, 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 as scousers. Uh, they, uh, they, they, um, I mean I think then it's one of those things where I think people from Liverpool are very a bit sniffy about people from the uh, surrounding area trying to take the, the glory of being in one of the north's greatest cities but uh, I was being serious by the way, I love the city of Liverpool. Oh, yeah, um, yeah. But people from the Wirral like to bathe in the reflected glory of, of Liverpool. So I think it's, yeah, it's it's fine to bathe. Uh, so there's him. There is Stephen Wolfe, who is uh, one of their MEPs, who I think is really interesting because he is mixed race. So I think in terms of putting him front and centre of a, a party that often gets accused of racism and nativism. They can literally do this. Some of my best friends are. Some of my best party leaders are black. Yeah. I mean, uh, to be honest, he does kind of look tanned. Um, as someone who's also mixed race, I'm allowed to say that he does just look like he spent some time in a sunbed. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then we also have Diane James, who survives uh, the Farage era, who is quite also in that kind of slightly led to me kind of, you know, um, definitely would have a proper hairbrush and use anti-macassars. They just yeah, the, the kind of yeah, the kind of uh, they just have the vibe of the sort of person who would be very unhappy if you ate a biscuit not over a plate. Um, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah. That's what I, I feel You've like... got those I'm... little mini hoovers. Those, um... Yeah. You know, my mum has um, a windscreen wiper that she keeps in the shower. You know, like the de-icer thing, so you can clean the shower individually uh, so I'm, after every I, I, use. I'm not going to make any comment about people who do that because my in-laws have one of those and I think that's a perfectly normal thing to do. Yeah, me too. I, cleanliness is next to godliness. Um, it's definitely not... You know, let it go, rinse it down a bit. It's a shower, it's self-cleaning. If your shower's dirty, that is... Anyway, that's a digression. But also Suzanne Evans, who didn't survive the Farage era, who I always thought was quite a sensible, moderate Tory who had inexplicably ended up in UKIP, uh, was a good debating form. It got suspended for disloyalty for six months in March 
uh, I think Douglas Carlswell has been trying to bring her back into the fold so far without success. Who do you think is best placed to take up the mantle of the Nige? The interesting thing is what what appears to have happened with UKIP is although they basically take posh voters from the Conservatives and working class voters from the Labour Party, um, but the interesting commonality is they take people, they basically, UKIP voters, the commonality between both sides of the both parties they take from is they take basically self-made people without degrees from the Conservative Party who've earned a lot of money but they didn't go to university and people uh, who left school at 16 but who have not uh, become self-made wealthy who vote uh, for the Labour Party. My impression of their membership from the unscientific metric of having gone to their party conference is their membership is much more heavily drawn from the posh ex-Tory side yeah i think that's true uh, i think you see a lot more sort of stripy trousers big you know golf blazers a lot of blazers with gold buttons uh i think that probably the people the ex-labor voters don't turn up to party ukip party conference yeah and which i mean is interesting because i think if i were a management consultant and i went into ukip i'd say you've kind of maxed out uh what your conservative appeal and if they go for ledson to be honest you're probably going to lose some of that vote but you've got a massive growth opportunity in the Labour Party. Go for Paul Nuttall. Um, my instinct is is Stephen Wolfe, having thrown shade only minutes ago at his relative blackness. My instinct is probably too black to, to have that appeal. Uh, whereas we know from Europe that having a reasonable-seeming woman is a great asset to a far-right party. So Suzanne Evans, Diane James would be quite good, but my my guess is Farage would not have stepped down now if he did not know for certain he was not making a prize of his party to Carswell and Evans. So Paul Nuttall, maybe? Well, there we are. We, this is the this is what I mean. This is I probably shift the betting markets now. You saying that, Stephen? Well, that's because your... the betting markets are terrible. <laughs> like... Can we actually? That's a really good point. Can we address this? Because I feel like we should. No one is really daring to say this, but people go, "Well, the odds have shifted very greatly in favour of Article Fifty not being triggered." And you go, "Well, but only about thirty people in the country have got any insight into whether or not that's really going to happen." And I doubt they're the ones who are up, at, you know, on Paddy Power at midnight putting money on it. Everyone in the betting markets is purely driven by what they think other people are doing and some vague rumours that they heard on Twitter. Yeah, and, and also the thing is, is the bookies are primarily not aiming to make money on political betting. It's an advert for all of their other betting. It's the easiest way to get your name in print. It's why Paddy Power did that story about paying out on a Corbyn victory. I had several bets on a Corbyn victory, one of them with Paddy Power, and I can tell you that they did not. Didn't I have a bet on the Corbyn victory as well that you put on for me? Um, no, you never actually gave me the money, right? <laughs> I, yeah, I think it was like eight quid that you owe me. Okay, I yeah, I think actually, you're know, right, I think I do owe you eight quid. Um, anyway, this is It's awkward. fine, I'll tell you what, we can put it on when Corbyn has to run again, and then we can again bet on a Corbyn victory, and we can we can really double our winnings that That's way. That's true, yeah. Um, we quid in. So really, I should have talked Corbyn down a bit, just to maximise the amount of money to be made on that particular contest. But this is the thing, like, the bookies are aiming to... Uh, advertise their other wares and also to entice bets so take you know the referendum or any 50 50 uh example they yeah or a Tory leadership race they'll give you you know 100 to 1 on like mr blobby or whatever because yeah. they want to do people to run stories about about that i remember when there was a great thing about who was going to be newsnight's political editor and then like i you could have got 
odds on me to do it and I was like well I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen because I am me and but clearly someone had just chucked in a load of names that they yeah. thought were they were vaguely plausible they thought were plausible um, it's a bit, I also wonder if those kind of things are a bit like the school nativity play where the more people you put in them the more people then feel obligated to talk about it yeah there is also an element of like people want to be like oh look me I've been uh, yeah. yeah I mean so I mean I for example did not fall into this trap when they were doing this for BBC political editor um did they put? Did you? Was your name being mentioned? I yeah. I was. Uh, oh, it's one of those things. The thing is, you don't want to be like the. It's it's one of those things. I think it's okay to talk up if you're like, if your odds aren't insulting. But I think I had odds of something like thirty to one, and and that's basically like the bookies think you're a bit of a joke, right? You know, like. I think that's quite good odds, given that you started in journalism about four years ago. I mean, it'd be a meteoric ascent. Wouldn't it? I mean, it'd be like shadow cabinet level I, I, in its kind of I'm quick not, ascension. I'm not. I'm not saying that uh, that, it, that that I didn't feel I wasn't a joke candidate <laughs> for for BBC political editor. I just wasn't sure I was happy with Ladbrokes publicly drawing attention to the fact I was a joke <laughs> candidate for BBC political editor. Um, yeah, I mean, so actually, the Conservative leadership race is a classic example. Whoever it is who ends up fighting Theresa May among the members will have will have longer odds than her to entice more bets. The reality is that both, most bookmakers will privately say, yeah, it's a 50-50 chance, because once you're in that final two, you know, you've, you've got a good as... Uh, a good a shot as anyone. Here's a question. Should I put some money on Donald Trump to win the US uh, presidential race? No. Come on, Cassandra. No, I mean, I don't know as much about the United States politics as I perhaps should, seeing as he obviously is the only democratic, for a given value of the word, uh, superpower in the in the world. But, um, I mean, I just feel like there are so many polls showing more than half of Americans say they're frightened of what would happen if he won. I just think, basically, you don't win an election if people in your own party are openly conflicted about whether or not they should vote for you or the other guy, which feels oddly appropriate to the other story in British politics at the moment. <laughs> Go on. Uh, what, Alex Jones from the one show level of, uh, of yeah. gear change. Uh, so, yeah, obviously the Labour Party, this is probably the bit most likely to have gone out of date uh, before we record. If... So, uh, you know, I from what I know, it was very hard to get anyone out on the broadcasters yesterday to defend Jeremy Corbyn. I mean, you know, Diane Abbott, bless her, has been more than pulling her weight in that sense. Uh, Emily Thornberry was on Peston. But, you know, apart from that, it, they do seem to have kind of slightly gone into lockdown. One of the things I thought was interesting was that John McDonnell actually came out on Friday and made a speech about what he, you know, what the Labour Party want from Brexit and talked about, you know, free movement is over, basically, accepting that, which is kind of a a fascinating thing to to do because I don't think many people who voted Corbyn will like just accepting that free movement of people is over. Mm. He kind of gets away with it by being John McDonnell, right? Whereas if it was Andy Burnham or Yvette Cooper had said that, there would be we'd now be kind of clanging in our ears. I mean, so the the line they had afterwards was, it's not that he's saying that he's just talking about the reality of Brexit. It's that it's not a red line. Their red lines are access to the single market, access to the European Investment Bank, guarantee the existing rights of EU migrants already here, and then two other red lines uh, that I have temporarily forgotten. But that's the point, isn't it? Is that access to the single market, then unless we work out some new bespoke deal that we manage to get past 27 other countries who would probably, you know, be quite interested in such a deal for themselves, does mean free movement. It just, it 
it just it it feels kind of again another slightly unsustainable somebody not acknowledging that the that's what the trade off currently is or if they think that that trade off is is only you know can be negotiated kind of advancing what they would offer in return well so the um there's a view in some parts of Whitehall and what you could do is if you offered if you gave the city of london i'm talking about the actual jobs there not you know the physical city of london to frankfurt and paris that would allow you to strike a deal in which you have three of the four freedoms uh capital goods services but not the free movement of people so it is significant and basically the currently ascendant factions in all of the political parties are signaling that they think free movement is definitely a goner with the Labour Party. I mean, because the interesting thing, the other reason why he can get away with doing it is my impression from talking to party members is if there was a candidate out there who was offering the same economics than both John McDonnell and Rachel Reeves on the back benches are basically offering, coupled with a fresher face and an unambiguously pro-European position, they would comfortably beat whoever they faced. The difficulty is this candidate doesn't exist in the Parliamentary Labour Party. And pro-Europeanism has always been a unity position as far as the leadership is concerned to get them through the referendum and to get the soft left to sign up to the Corbyn project. The soft left in Parliament has quit the Corbyn project very publicly and the referendum's over. So it kind of just makes sense to like quietly ditch it. Um, because in terms of some of the economic remodelling they'd like to do, EEA membership is a bit of a... Yeah, it's not that helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing that we probably need to talk about in the, in the coming weeks is what a what a left-wing Brexit. I mean, we had all this chuff about Lexit, uh, as if that was ever going to happen under a Tory government. Uh, you know, but what actually the left should be asking for in these incredibly long, involved negotiations that are going to happen, because it's already clear that a very right-wing version of Brexit is emerging. George Osborne, in the Financial Times, saying he wants corporation tax at 15%. Um, the Sunday Times did a blueprint for Britain, which was basically kind of, you know, we need to cut tax and regulation to the bone because that's the only way to keep people here I mean I think this is a, a looming problem for Theresa May if she does end up in the final two because all of these things you know which awful thing do you want to do or you know which which controversial thing do you want to do well actually I in an ideal world I wouldn't do either because I wouldn't leave the European Union but I have to do this is a very difficult thing to to sell yeah I mean I think the the interesting thing I mean, so the only data point we have about Tory members is that YouGov poll pre-Ledson being in the race, in which he was the only candidate who defeated Boris Johnson. The interesting question is, Boris Johnson, we know, had various morality problems. Well, anecdotally, we know with, with Conservative members, which made him slightly more vulnerable to, to Theresa May. Andrew Ledson is more of an unknown quantity. Um, whether or not she can kind of beat her is sort of, is, is moot. But there is the possibility that Theresa May will basically fight a better version of Yvette Cooper's leadership campaign where she'll go, look, I'm ready to be Prime Minister. We need you know, a, a yeah. strong hand on the tiller, etc, etc. And she can basically pivot from all of the questions. And she is signing up fairly serious supporters. I mean, David Davis. Mm, Chris uh, Grayling running Grayling, the campaign. Yeah, like, the, yeah. These are people who give her, her leave-based credibility. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Okay, so we, let's predict our rounds of Tory voting, okay? So in the first round, I'm going to say Liam Fox goes out in the first round. Yep, Fox. Gone. Yeah. Then I'm going to say controversial, I'm going to say Gove in the next round. Yeah, it feels to me that there will be... So the current... 
So the interesting thing is obviously, you know, the you know, Liam Fox's seven MPs or however many it is at time of recording, um, are not the kind of people you'd expect to bolster Stephen Crabbe's more more, you know, more soft version of conservatism. However, my guess is what will happen is is there will be some bolting from Michael Gove. There'll be some Brexiters who bolt to Andrea Leadsom. There may be some people who decide to try and settle up with Theresa May while they still can. So yeah, I think that feels right to I me. I don't know. It just feels like if you win and, uh, you know, if you go into the contest on that basis, you've got no basis then to, like, this is the Corbyn problem all over again, right? If you are serially disloyal, then it becomes very hard to, conf- you know, to, to have people who are, yeah. you know, incredibly loyal to you. So I feel like that could be a problem. And then Crab out and then Ledson versus May in a final head to head. Yeah, that does feel like where we're heading. I mean, the one variable is... Michael Gove and his ability to knife fellow Tories. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It's like, you know, we, you know it, it is really worth noting that Andrea Leadsom is still only a junior energy minister. She has not had the shaking out by the political press. And, no, when she got, um, when 2014, when she became city minister, there were stories about the fact that her brother-in-law, I think is based in Guernsey, she has um, trusts for her children, which is classically one of the things you would do to be more efficient in terms of inheritance tax. Perfectly legal, but who knows how um, that's going to be regarded. And also that she had used offshore companies in her buy-to-let. Now, I, yeah, this is proof, once again, that I'm not a Tory voter, but I find buy-to-let as a really difficult thing. I would really struggle to vote for a, somebody who had a big buy-to-let empire, personally. But I know that doesn't bother Tory selectorates because well, quite a lot of them have probably got buy-to-let empires well, as well. And this is the yeah, this this is the thing that a lot of the my instinct because yeah, when you're talking to Labour MPs and Labour staffers, uh, yeah, everyone, regardless of what side of this division they're on, goes, "Oh God, it's awful. I think we might split." And then to cheer themselves up, everyone goes, oh, so which one of them would you prefer? And I think Theresa May is far and away of the three, the consensus candidate of people who are who don't like the Conservative Party but are aware that one of them is going to have to run the country for four mm. years. The difficulty is is whether or not Andrea Leadsom is the candidate preferred by more people who are actually inside the Conservative Party. She looks a lot like the average Tory member, you know, in her 50s, independently wealthy, has children, etc., etc. A woman which I seem to recall the Conservative Party is slightly more feminine than the Labour Party. In what terms of what? I mean, it's membership. Oh, yeah. Um, not... Oh, yeah. But then it's, it's hard to say because the Labour Party is, is, is very blokey as well. Yeah. Well, certainly it has already elected a female leader. It has already showed that if, if it, it doesn't find strong women alarming. In fact, the Daily Mail ran a picture of Theresa May in the same sort of blue suit that Maggie Thatcher once wore, a, a, along with a full page thing of Theresa in her own words. Actually, that's something we should talk about. The, the male... What, Margaret Thatcher? No, the male <laughs> going for Michael Gove. I mean, we are talking... A level of coverage which is so bad that, you know, even Jeremy Corbyn would be surprised to get that level of going over. Yeah, and I heard that Sarah Vine went into the office the day after the the announcement that they... Well, sorry, the day that they were preparing the paper that then they would come out for Theresa May, which must have been uncomfortable. But, uh, you know, not really my my problem, really. Um, But, yeah, it does, does feel as if, by very publicly suggesting that 
the mail was in the bag for him. They've triggered... Yeah, I mean, I spoke to someone yesterday who said, we're talking about that email that was, was leaked about whether or not that was accidental or deliberate. Someone said, well, do you think she would have referred to him as Dacre slash Murdoch rather than as, as Paul, which, you know, somebody that they work together and actually... It is there is some a slight dismissiveness. And, you know, those that's what you know when people are trying to attack the right wing press, they say you know Dacre Murdoch, right? That's not how people talk about you know somebody that Michael Gove worked for in, in Rupert Murdoch and was and was close to, and someone that Sarah Vine currently works to and you know sees pretty often. So I think that's an interesting, yeah. I, I mean, say what you like about the Daily Mail. One of the things that I find consistently impressive about it is its custness at just not being lent on or sort of talked to. I, I don't agree with what it says, but in terms of standing up to politicians, it, it absolutely does. It's not, it doesn't play favourites in that sense. Yeah, no. Whereas, like I said, it was, it was interesting. So I was doing the paper review with that edition. It's the way that the Times and the Sun, you can see, are kind of lining up behind Gove. Whereas the mail is gone properly the other way. But also declared really might... early as well. You feel like the Times and the Sun are waiting to see whether or not... If it all goes horribly wrong for Michael Gove, then they'll happily jump on board the HMS Theresa. Yeah. But the mail has made its call before it's entirely clear how it's going to all shake out, right? Yeah. Um, well, there we go. A rare bit of praise from uh, the New Statesman to the Daily Mail. Yeah. So it's a new consensual age that this we're uh, weird, all living in. This is a terrifying era of Brexit. Dogs and cats living together. Um, um, well, unless anyone else has resigned, shall we say goodbye to the podcast for now? Yep, back on Thursday. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. You've been listening to the New Statesman podcast presented by me, Helen Lewis, and produced by Anna Leskovitz. You can find us every week at newstatesman.com forward slash podcast or on iTunes. Our theme music is Devil with the Devil by the Underscore Orchestra, licensed under Creative Commons. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.